Welcome to the Education Marketing Leader Podcast with Chris Raposo. If you're looking to dive into the latest industry insights, draw inspiration from education success stories, or just want to sharpen your marketing skills, you're in the right place. Here, we bring you a diverse range of voices from experts and leaders in the field, offering you a unique blend of professional development and practical strategies. Whether you want to understand your audience better, stay updated with the latest tech trends in marketing, or expand your professional network, we've got you covered. So while you're driving on your morning commute or winding down after a busy day, let's explore the dynamic world of education marketing together. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Education Marketing Leader. My name is Chris Raposo. Today I have the pleasure of welcoming Jenny Martin, Director of Web and Digital Communications, and Tim Wombles, Manager of Web and Digital Communications at the University of Missouri, St. Louis. Jenny and Tim, welcome to the show. Hi, Chris. Thank you. Hello. Good to be here. Thanks. So the reason we're here today is because Jenny and Tim will present at the 2024 Cascade User Conference and how they and their team reclaimed their university website. But before we get into this, Jenny and Tim, tell us a little bit about your backgrounds and what brought you to UMSL, University of Missouri, St. Louis, and what do you love about working at higher ed marketing? Happy to be here. Um... I started my uh, career in higher education, uh, actually in the advancement side of the world, um, spent a few years there and then transitioned over to marketing communications, um, took on a web role uh, right out of the gate pretty much and have been there ever since, kind of found my little my little niche. Um, I am a big proponent of education. I've seen what education has done in my own life. Um, and it it means a lot to be able to support a mission driven a mission driven institution um, to you know make their front door better um, and and spread the word. Um, Tim, yeah, I actually uh, came to Umslo as a graduate assistant for creative writing, and it just so happened um, this was in two thousand late two thousand eleven. It just so happened that there was a graduate assistant position open in the marketing communications office and um, we were moving our websites over into cascade for the first time and i was on that team um and i had always liked you know the internet and technology and stuff so it ended up being a good fit but uh, after that the college of arts and sciences at umsel realized they needed a kind of permanent person to help maintain all their websites there's about 40 total in the college so i was hired there um, then I was brought back to Marcom um, to be part of uh, the beginning of a centralized web team. Um, and what I like most about you know being here is I, have to, I discovered I had a passion for um, helping communicate or provide in what little way I can um, access to opportunity. And it's really f- uh, fulfilling to see the students, you know, thousands come and go and they all use our website. And uh, just to think um, that I had a small part in that. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely, Tim. And you know, we've heard it before that the higher ed website is the number one recruiting tool for prospective students. So I'm sure that you had a small part in getting some people on campus to help them make their lives better. But let's talk about the user conference presentation that you're going to give on how to reclaim a website. So just a little bit of background about uh, University of Missouri, St. Louis's web presence in the past. So I heard that 
the man the website was managed by over 400 people and you had 300 different sites with little administrative and compass buy-in for a central digital strategy but then in 2022 probably in the height of the pandemic the first central web team was established and since then you've worked to bring order and purpose to your website through cohesive branding reimagining structure and modern features so Jenny and Tim, can you give us a little bit of an overview of the state of the University of Missouri St. Louis's digital spaces before 2020 and what motivated the shift towards a centralized digital strategy? Yeah, so I can speak a little bit to the background. Um, pretty much the way it worked was after we did the initial um, transfer, I mean, previously, um, you know, 2010 and before it was it was kind of a patchwork system, some Dreamweaver, some Drupal and all that. Um, and there was an acknowledgement that we needed a central CMS. So um, the administration put forward that strategy and we worked on you know, transitioning all the sites into Cascade. But after that, it was kind of a one and done project. They kept a developer on staff um, and kind of the site returned to the way it had been before, just in Cascade instead of um, other CMSs. Um, and we basically had 300 sites, 400 users, um, and they all kind of operated autonomously. Um, training was actually provided by the IT department. So there was some uh, lack of continuity between the training and then the later site assistance. Uh, Marcom as an office didn't really have a very proactive approach um, to the website. There was no cohesive branding or like general best practices, no, no focus on telling people about accessibility or anything like that. So Pretty much people were, um, and and they do, they, they you know, they do good work and they, they try hard, but it's difficult when um, it's not really their main job and there's so many, you know, things to do on the web. Um, so that's kind of how it was before. And eventually, uh, I think, you know, the administration and the marketing communications um, leadership started pushing to have a more central team um, to make sure everything was updated and brand aligned and and all of that. And then there was also um, a leadership change at the university, which was a key part of that. Um, and, you know, just when there's when there's change at the administrative level, you can sort of bring up things that you think should be done. And, and maybe maybe there's some more reception there sometimes. It's always good to have the leadership buy-in from the top. But of course, if you have over 400 people working on a website, there may be some pushback. Where, what were some of the biggest challenges you faced in transitioning from a web presence managed by over 400 individuals to a more centralized approach? Was there any pushback? There's always a little pushback when you make big changes like that. Um, I think some of the biggest things that have been helpful for us in this transition is taking the time to communicate with those 400 people and the other leaders throughout campus to get them on board with what we wanted to do and what our vision was, um, what the university was going to back. Um, having it come from the top down is key. Um, that gives you support in leadership places. Um, and it's difficult to get much done if that's not the case. Training is also a big space. Um, as Tim mentioned, um, just being able to educate people on, on best practices and what we should be doing has also been helpful in kind of um, making that transition easier because they hear and they see 
things that are supposed to be done. And then they have people who know how to do that. Absolutely. Those uh, brand guidelines, just to know what, what needs to be done, clear communication. We always say clear is kind. Obviously there were many aspects that needed attention. How do you go about setting the priorities for the website redevelopment when you did, did that in 2020? Um, we were given, I, I came in at, at, as leader of the team in 2020 and we brought in several other people and, and merged Tim and a couple others that were here on campus already. Um, and we were given directions specifically, primary focus should be enrollment management. Um, and I think that's fairly typical across the spectrum in higher ed. Um, so that's how we set priorities when we first kind of started deciding what we were going to do. Um, what would have the most effect on prospective students and how could we make that information more accessible to them? Yeah, and so some of our early projects in this time were uh, admissions website, obviously, and then we also redid our um, cashiers and student financial services website. Um, obviously, students are using that a lot. And then we also um, made more standardized degree pages with um, an easy, visible RFI, standardized, um, getting people into our CRM, things like that. It was all enrollment uh, driven, as as Jenny mentioned. And we did have the administrative um, administration backing us, so that makes it a lot easier. That's right. That's right. If it comes down from the top, it's a lot easier to get those uh, balls moving. But, you know, like we touched on a little bit earlier, change can often be met with resistance. So how do you communicate your strategy and the reason for the significant change to the various stakeholders? How'd you go about that? I think some of that was probably done uh, before I came on scene. Um, at the top, the very top level, some of that groundwork was laid. Um, I know from our perspective, as we discussed priorities or um, things we need to to do, just communicating and reaching out to people and working closely with the people who have the content knowledge, um, making sure that we're correct, uh, especially with our major and degree pages. You know, how can we work with faculty to best develop um, content that's helpful and is truthful and supports the reason why students should enroll in their program? No, sorry, I was just going to, to to add really quick that um, the enrollment numbers were not um, as predictable as maybe people thought. So there was always that, the real actual numbers, um, to be blunt, we had some, you know, uh, declining enrollment. So that's kind of the the thing we need to address and that um, allowed us to communicate to people, hey, there, there's a there's an issue. Yeah, when you see, when, you, when we can actually showcase the numbers, you know, and say, hey, there's a little bit of urgency there. Uh, we got to do something, we got to change something in order to keep the university alive and keep us driving. Um, who, who are some of the main um, contributors on on your campus? Are, is it the faculty? We have a pretty good mix, um, site managers. So yeah, th uh, <laughs> there are some faculty members who have been doing their website since the 90s um, and they just uh, enjoy that. So they, you know, a couple departments here and there have um, professors and then there's um, staff members, probably the largest contingent. And again, these staff members, it's not their only job usually. Uh, and then we also have some graduate assistants, um, a good amount of those who cycle in and out and, you know, learn it or, or they're working on an internship or something like that.
Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Um, so as we know, good branding builds trust and uh, familiarity. So how did you approach the task of creating a cohesive branding for the website and what impact has it had on the university's digital identity? I know you said it, it went downhill first a little bit, declining enrollment. Did it go back up? Yeah, it, it, yeah, it's stabilized for sure. Um, and we, we're hoping looking forward, it looks, the, the picture is looking much better. So just judging by some numbers. Awesome. And how about the, how about the approach to creating a cohesive branding for your website? How'd you go about that? So being in Cascade, we were able to use a template that obviously helps with some of that brand consistency, which is helpful. And it's the benefit of using a, a CMS. Um, just in the last year, we've updated um, kind of our enrollment management brand university-wide. Um, so we've done some implementation across the board and with using a CMS system and being able to communicate with people, um, having that established channel, we're able to say, hey, we've got new branding coming out. Um, we're going to update a few things on the template so we can better reach all of the pages. Um, we can um, update our photography. We can um, send you to our newly created branding site um, so you can get some assets or view the rules, um, see what's happening so you can better help us support you as well as the changes we made to the template. So I think all of that kind of working together, uh, rolling that new brand out went really smoothly. Um, we were able to do that kind of from the top down while talking about it with people, which I think helped too. Yeah, absolutely. It's good to have those brand guidelines. It's also good to have the granular permissions in, in Cascade. So you have the end users that can't just go rogue and put whatever sort of colors they like. Uh, yep. <laughs> uh, but as you know, Implementing a new website structure can often create friction. You know, how, how do you manage to, to minimize disruptions on the website for users and content creators um, during that process? So it's been it's been a slow process and it's been a slow process intentionally. Um, I think, you know, anytime you come in and blow something up, it doesn't go over well. So I know when I came in, the, the thought was to learn as much as I could to get to know the institution and get to know the people as well as I could. Um, talk with Tim, who's been here for quite a while, to figure out how to approach things in the best way. Um, and we've come up with, you know, we didn't kick half of our users out at first. <laughs> we went through a cycle to start, you know, communicating with people. If you don't need access, then let's not give you access. Let's find a way to make sure the right people have access to the CMS that, so they can do their jobs and call it good. Um, finding a way to kind of meet in the middle and compromise when we can has also been a huge help. Um, there are things that we like to do that people are hesitant about or they have questions about. So it's always having a conversation about, this is why we did X, Y, and Z, or we can do this and this, but maybe not this, but we're fine with that. And we want you to have input. Um, maybe we've been lucky, but our users have been uh, largely cooperative and open um, and having a yep. good um, response, you know, an open user base uh, helps, helps with that. Absolutely. Absolutely. So when I read your topic description for the presentation you're going to have at the 
Cascade User Conference, you shared some of the specific examples of innovative features you integrated into the new website and how they've enhanced the user experience for different audiences. Can you tell us a little bit about that background? So we've created um, a few new new items in the last really year and a half. We've finally gotten to the point where we can start creating instead of just fixing, um, which is exciting. Um, we've uh, put in a new faculty and staff directory um, that's based off the Hannon Hill model um, that's worked really well and um, people across campus are excited to see it and to use it. They all want one. So that's great. Um, because that really helps shore up your faculty profiles. It's searchable. So we've had a lot of success with that. Um, we've been able to build some templates with some form integrations, which has been helpful, especially for our, our admissions folks um, when they want to you know, collect short form information that's important. Um, our major and degree pages use those consistently, and that's been really nice kind of modernization of our program pages. Uh, well, a couple other things. We were able to uh, implement an API that pulls um, direct degree information directly from our bulletin or, or course listings. And that helped a lot to standardize um, the information because that gets updated once a year, the faculty and the provost and everybody's involved. So there's not all this competing information on all these departmental degree pages. That was pretty big. Um, and we also implemented things like um, an easy way for them to have an RSS feed so that they can get some stories, um, news about the department or the students in the in the department, and they can put that on their website. We uh, similarly, we um, were able to create a an event calendar embed, which we can put on um, their site, and then we also started implementing a universal top navigation system, um, which you know brings some cohesiveness to the site. If you reflect on the journey, what are some of the key lessons you've learned that could be beneficial to other universities? looking to undertake a similar transformation? My number one is patience. It takes a while. It doesn't go as fast as you want it to. Um, there's lots of times in the last, you know, three and a half years where I just have to repeat patience in my head because I know what needs to be done and I see where we're going and I know what needs to happen. But there's so many moving parts and so many people involved that it just takes longer. And we get there. It's just patience. Yeah, I will say um, having having a big picture up front and a way to uh, clearly describe the need for it and how it will look and feel. I noticed that as we were going through, once we had a couple of site redesigns under our belt, the other ones, the other um, departments and parties we approached, kind of were, were more enthusiastic because they could see the top nav, they could see the directory. So, it, you know, have some of those elements ready to go or at least examples of them so that you can show them literal things um, up front. That, that helped a lot. As you are well aware, there's something coming up that's called the demographic enrollment cliff. Just wanted to know what some of the future plans were there to navigate that um, through, your, through your website. You definitely know it's coming. It's been coming for years. Um, I think the best thing that we can do to help uh, our enrollment management team navigate the challenges of admissions is just to be easily accessible and easy to navigate. We want to have a good user experience. We want prospective students to be able to find the information that they need to reach out to UMSL and make that connection with our admissions team so then they can do their jobs. 
and convert them into into students. Um, and the best thing we can do is make it clear and concise and easy to use. So uh, there's a few things that I mean, we kind of have to see how it how it shakes out what the future looks like. But, you know, we're, we're interested in, in looking, um, you know, beyond traditional student, how we can um, service maybe our corporate partners or continuing education, adult learners, um, transfer students, things like that. Um, so we, you know, we recently are are starting here at UMSO the Advanced Workforce Center. So we're very involved in like building that site, which um, will engage with corporations in the area and maybe um, have some employees there come to UMSO and get some certifications. Um, so it's it's very much in flux, and we're you know we're staying on top of all the technologies and trends and trying to predict it just like everyone else. Exactly, exactly. You'll be able to navigate it once you you know you. I think the people that's going to have a problem is when if there's sticking to their guns and they just want to have those traditional age students that are dwindling. So um, diversifying is definitely the way to go here. Now, if people want to get in touch with you, you know, obviously they can come to the user conference and watch your session and connect with you that way. But outside of that, what's a good way to get in touch with you to learn more about you and your, the way you've done things on your website? Um, people can find me on LinkedIn. Um, I'm pretty searchable. Um, and Email address is on the website, easy to find, umsol.edu. Yeah, same. Feel free to send me a message or something on LinkedIn or uh, email wumblest at umsol.edu. Happy to chat. Awesome, team. Thanks so much for your time today. I'll see you in a few weeks, and you have a good one. Thanks so much, Chris. Thank you, Chris. Hey, thanks so much for tuning into the show today. If you enjoyed it, don't keep it to yourself. Share with your friends in your network. And if you have a moment, I would really appreciate a review of the podcast. That'll help other people find the show as well. Tune in every Thursday morning at 8 a.m. when I release another episode. Take care now. Have a good one, friends.